all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase. And no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ, and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist-recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd, only at BJ's. You know, you have your acquisition fee in the beginning, which is great. But along the way, that acquisition fee is helping you to keep lights on along the way. And your asset management fee is helping you to continue to sustain yourself along the way as well. So you're not getting rich off of these, you know, fees here. It's really when the asset sells and you realize for your investors, you also then realize for yourself. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey, today we actually get to speak with Lisa Hilton, not H-I-L-T-O-N, H-Y-L-T-O-N, but you need to know her name anyway, right? She gave us so much insight. She shared her journey, what she's doing with funds and how she started with accounting and then basically went into fund management. As soon as she learned about syndication, she actually started a fund with her second passive syndication. I've never heard anybody do that. If you don't know what syndication is, you don't understand what funds are, how they work, you got to finish listening to the rest of this episode because she breaks it all down. She also goes into her journey about like leaving her job and making that decision. And because she was trying to do the entrepreneurship thing and, and start a fund management company and how she actually ended up getting another job so that she could learn more skills to really help optimize her business. But in any case, her bio is this, listen, Lisa is a syndicator and a CPA with about 15 years of experience in the financial services industry. And she started with big four accounting firm who are auditing billion dollar funds across private equity, venture capital, mutual and hedge funds. She is also the host of the Level Up REI podcast, which I have been blessed to be a guest on. You need to check that out if you're interested in real estate at all. She goes and she has a fantastic guest and goes into so much detail about what to do, what not to do, all the ins and outs and intricacies of investing in commercial real estate, really. She's also the VP of finance for a real estate tech startup, and she's the founder of LisaHilton.com which is a commercial real estate fund management firm that was created to help accredited investors gain diversification across private commercial real estate investments. When she's not investing, you can find Lisa hiking, dancing Argentine tango, paddleboarding, practicing yoga, taking evening walks, 
swimming, traveling, embarking on wine country getaways and trying new adventures. I knew there was more about her that I liked besides just her business acumen. <laughs> but in any case, stay tuned for the rest of the episode. You're not going to want to miss all the gems that Lisa drops. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show. I'm so excited that you joined us back here again today. This is a show where we talk about strategies to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And today we have with us Lisa Hilton, a good friend. I'm so honored to say that I met a little while ago because I heard her on another podcast and I reached out to her and we started conversations and then like it just blossomed into this friendship. And I'm so lucky and thankful to have you as an ear and a, basically like a mentor unofficially, mentor and friend, right? So in any case, Lisa, I gave everyone like a high level overview of what you've been doing, but dig in, tell us, give us a little bit about your journey and how you progress from what you, you know, started off in, I don't know how far back you want to go to, to where you are today. Wow. It's definitely been a journey. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I think it's, it's also a testament to your journey as well. You know, the journey of being guests on other people's podcasts and then eventually launching your own, you know, and like going through all of it and the ups and downs and experiencing, you know, building all these different businesses and, you know, streams of income and et cetera. But yeah, so my story starts off, like I grew up in a real estate family. My father was a contractor. He built 14 apartment units when I was a child. So I grew up cleaning apartment units, property management, selling quarters, collecting rent, you know, writing receipts, the whole nine yards. And, but I never saw real estate as something that was like, wealth and building and like, and like, it just never came across that way. And my parents never really had that kind of conversation with us. It was more the conversations that they did have were about going to school, getting a good degree and like going to college and all that stuff. So that's what I did, you know, went to school for accounting, came out, bought my first place when I was in my early twenties, I bought a two bedroom, two and a half bath in Grand Cayman. And after I bought it there, you know, I bought it because I loved it. I didn't really understand fully the numbers, but I quickly got an education in the numbers of real estate because I held that property for a total of six years. It broke even the first year, lost money every single year after that, Wow. Um, primarily because I paid too much for it. Number one, number two, I bought it in an HOA, which increased the HOA fees with time further eating into the cash flow coming off of the property. And then secondly, after I got, I couldn't afford property management because I never thought that I would be leaving Cayman. And lo and behold, a year after I bought it, I ended up leaving and I've been outside of Cayman for, I don't know, almost 10, almost 12 years at this point, probably more than that, but close to 12 years, I've no longer lived in Cayman. So, you know, during that time, after I left, after my first year, I was an out of country landlord taking care of this property. And then I'd now moved to LA, got a bill in the email for over a thousand dollars. The AC had broken down. They came out to fix it and came in. You need AC because it's very hot and humid. And I said, you know what? It's time. It's time. It's been six years. I've held this property. It's time for it to go. Sold the property, came out and was like, I am done with real estate. And I always say that life has a sense of humor because I ended (laughs) up taking a job working as a controller on private equity real estate funds about a year after I said that. 
And after I took that job six months in, I said, wow, people are making money investing in real estate. You just need to know what you're doing. And that's when I embarked on my journey of investing and finding ways to invest. And at first living in California, I wanted to buy like a duplex, quickly realized that duplexes here were like 700 to over a million dollars with deferred maintenance over 20 years of deferred maintenance. And I said, wow, like that's just out of reach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I went from that to then turnkey rentals out of state and then just couldn't pull the trigger. I think primarily due to my earlier experiences. So by time I haphazardly met a syndicator at a personal development program, and we just ended up being in the same circles continuously. I, and I got introduced to syndications. I was like, wow, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Wow. And it reminded me so much of what I did for work that I was like, wow, you know what? This is so cool. So I'll pause there. Oh, I just was going to ask you to tell people what syndication is. Ah, syndications are group investments where you have the lead, which is generally the general partner team. They will put together the deal, raise the capital, as well as manage the property throughout the whole entire period. And then you'll typically have passive investors who will contribute capital in exchange for getting a portion of the returns during the whole period in terms of the rental income. And then when the property sells, they also get a portion of the proceeds of the sale. Okay, perfect. So regular people to invest in larger deals by coming together. So that's right. All about that. Okay. Wow. Cayman. (laughs) So why it took you six years before you got that thousand dollar bill and then decided you were done with real estate. Right. Right. I was, I was getting done along the way, you know, Yeah. So I was like thinking, why didn't you, if it was losing money every year, why didn't you sell way before that? Yes. I had to wait. Because in Cayman, I actually had purchased the property with a first time home buyer discount kind of thing. Yeah. And if I had sold it earlier, I would have had to repay that. And mm. I think the second part of it is that, you know, some people feel that like if they just hold it long enough, they can outrun maybe the bad decision. (laughs) And I think that, yeah, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, I, once I got that bill, that was like the breaking point. Yeah. Okay. So then you met the syndicator, you, you learned about what syndication was. It was similar to kind of what you saw at your job and people making money. So -hmm. then what was the the next step? Did you start syndicating or did you invest in syndication as a passive investor? So my next step was I made two passive investments. The first one was in June of 2019. It was a 600 unit apartment building in Atlanta. And then the second one was another 250 also in Atlanta. And that second one, I had the opportunity to create my first special purpose vehicle entity slash fund that was created to invest specifically in that second property. So I had invested, I had liked the deal, I decided to invest. And then there was also an opportunity to create an entity to bring capital through to that deal. Um, so you were a passive was- investor and fund almost for the correct at the same time that's right yes and I invested also alongside my investors through that fund entity that I created as well okay 
So that was the first foray into doing funds on my own. And then also like sort of general partner kind of experience. So like who goes from just learning about syndications to all of a sudden investing in one and creating a fund at the same time. Yes, <laughs> like yes, I yes, think yes. A huge leap. How did you feel comfortable doing that? Like what yeah. was that process like? So I tell people that who you hang around matters. This opportunity came because I was around people who were thinking bigger than me and saw opportunities that I did not see because I remembered distinctively when they came to me and said, Hey, you know what? This is an opportunity. Like, this is what I'm thinking about presenting to your group. At first I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, who's going to want to invest in that? Like who, you know, on it, like that was my thought. I can remember to this very day. I remember what I was saying and where I was. And then, you know, and then it sat with me and I thought about it more and I said, huh, I could see how this could be an opportunity. And yeah. And it went, we did it. Okay. Wow. Okay. That is still kind of crazy to me. I'm like, <laughs> I can't even imagine creating a fund. So people, Lisa says special purpose vehicle, but it's just like yes. an entity is a fancy name for an entity that allows you to create like people to invest in the fund. So, okay, now what's the difference if they're investing in the syndication or they could invest in the fund along with inside of the syndication. So why would somebody need to do that? Why don't they just invest in the syndication? What's the difference between investing in a fund and a syndication for the passive investor? Yes. So a couple things. So in this particular scenario with that syndication, it was a 506B offering. So the operator needed to have relationship with like all of their investors that are coming in. And then similarly, so they had relationship with us and then through them having relationship with us, we were then able to create our own 506B entity, which then we were able to raise capital from investors to then go into the deal. So that's the first thing is like, you're able to provide opportunities to investors to go into a deal that they essentially would not have had opportunity to go into, especially in a 506B realm. And then coming, skipping a little bit to today, when like I have a accredited investor fund now, and my play is two things. One is diversification and lower minimums. So where this came from was I was on my own journey of investing passively into all these different deals. I've invested into six deals to date now, two of which have gone full cycle. And as I invest more and more, and as I have a podcast myself and I'm active in the space and go to conferences and all that stuff, like you're constantly getting deals. Like deal flow is super strong. There's like no, like no doubt about it. Like if you need to invest in a deal, there's you check the inbox and there's tons of deals up in there to invest in, right? That you could potentially invest in. However, most deals are looking anywhere from between 50 to sometimes 100. And if not, sometimes when you're dealing with even more and more experienced operators, they want 100 to 150 to $200,000 minimums, which, okay, that's great. But I don't want to spend, I don't want to put all 100K into one deal. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't want to, like, that's just not my situation right now. So I said, you know what, how... 
like, would it be possible if I could get exposure to really good operators, really good assets, strong markets, but not have to be coming in at 100K? Maybe you come in at 20, 25. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's, that's a pain point for me. Back to the pain points. Mm-hmm. That could be a pain point for other people. And maybe the solution is creating a fund that enables people to choose what deals they want to invest in in the fund. And they only send money when they see a deal that they like and they want to invest in. And that's one of the benefits of like, that's one of the differences between just doing straight syndication is most of them. Yeah. You could find some that have lower minimums. Sure. With the fund is like being able to provide people with diversification and access to really good operators and really good markets and assets. Yeah, because that's one of the things too, is just like you're in a syndication, you're investing in that one building right. that's being raised for to, to purchase. And sometimes that's good because then you, like you said, you get clarity, you get more transparency, you know exactly you know what is being purchased, all the numbers for that deal, where there are a lot of funds out there where you invest in the fund and you know the type of general asset mm. that they will look to buy, right. that the operators will look to buy, but you can't say yes or no to any one asset. Like you put your money in the fund and they put that money to work in buying multiple different t- kinds of buildings and right. you don't get to choose. It's, so that's called yeah. a blind fund. And that's I, right. like, I like transparency of the fund that you're talking about where people can actually put their money in a fund, like put, send their money in, but they can delegate it to which buildings right. are the best for, to fit their like investing exactly. criteria or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. Okay. Perfect. Now, so you went from starting as a passive investor and a fund manager at the same time, yes, but right. that's because you were working as a fund manager. What was that's your because again? I was in a mastermind where okay. the mastermind had provided an opportunity for this to happen because the person who was running that mastermind had relationships with operators and through their relationships with operators, this opportunity came about. Okay. All right. So it's all, like you said, all about network, who you're surrounding yourself. And I love how you said you were surrounding yourself with people who were thinking bigger than you were. Yes. And that forced you to, to level up. Yeah. Oh yeah. And funny, (laughs) the name of your podcast is level up Aria. (laughs) I didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, you know, what else have you been up to? Like, what are your plans with this for the future? What yeah. else do you want to share? Like we chatted a little bit before, but I feel like I haven't talked to you in a little while. We were, I mean, we were having like monthly catch-up accountability calls, yeah. mostly with, with Lisa telling me what to do and not to do, not really telling me, but you know, <laughs> giving me some great advice, <laughs> some boys going through something, but yeah, like, what's well, up? I would say that I've definitely taken a lot of action right? And made a lot of decisions that have brought come to Jesus moments, you know, for me in my life and have, you know, made me think, okay, yeah, like, what is the next path? What's the best next path for me to go? And I think one of the benefits, I always tell people action reveals, because it really does. It's like, if you're thinking about doing something, quitting your job, 
for instance, which is something I've done, you know, like sometimes if you have the ability to just do it, like it will provide you with so much clarity about yourself, like anything that you're thinking about doing, I think, you know, finding a way to do it will provide you with a lot of clarity. And these days, you know, as Nicole, you know, like I've since now taken another job, but I continue to build my business, both my podcast and, and, you know, the way I play in real estate via funds and to come from a place of saying, okay, well, you know, these are some of the things that I still want to do. And like taking those actions of being able to get out there and do them and, you know, understanding, I think one of the biggest lessons I think gets lost on people is that real estate really is a long game, you know, and it's a long game. It's not something that generates big cash flow tomorrow, like crypto and like some of these other, you know, fun stocks, like, you know, high growth stocks, I should call them that today they're down and tomorrow you you are like, you know, over a million dollars or whatever in them. Like, that's just not the same with real estate. And it's educating yourself about that. And then your investors. And then as people you meet who are interested in playing in the real estate space is like sort of helping them to sort of see that and understand that as well. And that it doesn't mean that you don't, you give up on what it is that you want to do. It doesn't mean that you do that, but it means that you find a way to have staying power and longevity and like being able to play the long game consistently and knowing that that is going to pay off with time. Yeah. Oh no, I completely agree because people see, I guess, where you are, where I am. Yes. And they might know a little bit about the journey, but for the most part, they don't see that whole thing. They don't right. see the ups and downs. They don't see the times where we're crying in, in the corner. <laughs> like they don't see, you know, us, you know, being angry and all the extra gray hairs that are hiding mm-hmm. inside here, you know, like, but there is definitely been long journeys longer than I honestly anticipated when I first started in real estate. Cause I thought, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, a long time. I know it's a long journey, maybe two or three years and I could get some yeah. capital rolling and then I'll just throw that over here and I'll do that and I'll be good in this. And like, cause I thought in my younger years, two or three years was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's like, what, when did I start? It's 12 years later since I took that first real estate three-day boot camp conference mm-hmm. thing. I would have never imagined that I'd be here or what I'm doing or I'm still like, you know, just obsessed with real estate because I am, Mm because I still believe that it's a great journey. And I've seen like, you know, fruition of that throughout my life. But what I really actually want to dig into some, because I thought about it as soon as you mentioned it, your job. Mm-hmm. That's something that a lot of people can probably either relate to or have questions about or want to know how you process through that. So you quit your job to focus more on real estate and then you went back to another job. Mm-hmm. But why? Like, yeah, it being off of work, not like give you what you were looking for, or is it more strategic the route, the way that right. you took a job now? So what was that journey? What the emotional highs and lows when you left and just all of that, like why you even left, get, let us know what were you thinking and what that process has been like? 
Yeah, great question. So when I chose to leave, so I think a couple of things. If someone is thinking about playing in the syndication space full time, I think that it's important to understand that there's different roles in the syndication team. You know, those being acquisitions, underwriting, asset management, and investor relations, raising capital. And each of those roles play within, you know, the syndication space differently and are compensated differently as well. And depending on how you're planning on pursuing it, like there's that as well. When I started my journey, like I focused primarily was on like raising capital and seeking to provide other services to a GP team. Like I am an accountant by profession. So being able to like analyze numbers on an ongoing basis, asset management, reviewing property managers, financials, which is something I do personally now for work. So that's all like, and I did that previously as well. So like, that's all in my wheelhouse in terms of making sure that I'm not just raising capital. But the reality is this, is that For syndications, you know, when the general partner team truly makes money is when the deal typically sells and does well. Sells, not just a break-even sale. I mean, sell and provide investors with returns and them with great returns as well. You know, you have your acquisition fee in the beginning, which is great. But along the way, that acquisition fee is helping you to keep lights on along the way. And your asset management fee is helping you to continue to sustain yourself along the way as well. So you're not getting rich off of these, you know, fees here. It's really when the asset sells and you realize for your investors, you also then realize for yourself. And I think that is really important because like that, just knowing that, then think about when I decided to leave. I did not have like a portfolio of properties myself. Personally, yes, my family has properties, but like they're not mine. Like they're not mine alone. Like they're with my family, right? So like essentially, you know, when you're thinking about just focusing on syndication alone, it puts a lot of pressure on the business to perform. And on top of that, What I also noticed in the space is that many syndicators and people in real estate in general have multiple streams. Not everyone, some people have, I would say they have multiple streams when it comes to syndication, unless they've been in the game for a very long time. And then, you know, they just have lots of properties. So now it's like a snowball effect, right? Mm -hmm. But like, Otherwise, people might have their own individual portfolios of four plexes, single family homes, 10 plexes, 20 plexes, whatever, that they either own personally or they joint venture with other people or whatever the case, right? So they'll have some of those. And then they're also syndicating as well. Or they might have businesses, you know, everything from masterminds to coaching programs or completely separate businesses that are not even in the real estate space. So it doesn't mean that syndication is not a really good business. It is. It's just a business that, in my opinion, takes time to build. If you don't automatically come in with a community of people around you who are able to write half a million dollar checks or million dollar checks to for your deals. And that was just not my reality. My reality was not that I was around people who would be able to write half a million and million dollar checks. That was just not my situation. Mm -hmm. So I 
as an entrepreneur had to think about, okay, given my landscape, what can I do? And I thought about, okay, there was a guy and I won't say his name, but he really inspired me because as I continue to be in more and more, well, I'm in two masterminds and he's in one of my masterminds and he works full-time as a tech professional and he primarily works for equity. And when I started working for the startup that I work for now, I noticed that a lot of the founders, they themselves work for equity as well. And when I spoke to a friend of mine who works with for a lot of startups, she's been working for a lot of startups for the last 10 years or so. She was like, yeah, it's very normal for founders of these startups in the beginning to work primarily for equity. They don't really pick up big paychecks in the beginning. As a matter of fact, they're not making any money sometimes for many months, if not a couple years. So they have other businesses or other income through either investments or other things that helps to bring in money while they're building this business. So that way they don't have to put the pressure on this business while, but yet they will hire people like myself and all these other people and pay them, you know, to continue to build their business. So that way, eventually they know where they're going and they're going to eventually get there. So that has been a lesson for me because it has taught me a lot that, you know, sometimes when you're building a business, especially in the beginning, you know, it's, it might take some time depending on the kind of business that you're choosing to build. And for funds, I told this to a few other people who are thinking about funds just today, that I think that funds is a long-term play because they require money for you to start. You know, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking money like 20 and 30 grand, but it's going to require a couple thousand to get started, to get it off the ground. And that is just how it is, you know, and eventually the funds really start paying as you continue to make really good investments and those investments sell and they provide returns, not just for your investors, but for you. And the last point I'll say on this is that you and I both know that we're now in higher interest rate environment. So in the multifamily space, what that equates to is lower cash flows because some of the properties you buy them and you're going to have to pay a higher interest, which that means that some of that money that would have gone to investors now needs to go to the lender in order for you to buy a property that you'd want to have bought previously. So Yes, like, do I feel that property values will continue to increase? I hope so. <laughs> I think so. You know, if gas is, I live here in LA, and if gas is now in like in roughly two weeks, gas now is double what I was paying previously. And, you know, I would say about a month ago, it's compared a month ago till now, it's double compared to what, like, it costs me a hundred bucks to fill up my tank, which used to be like 50 bucks. And that was like in March. And now we're in May and like, it's double that amount. And I can remember when I was in college, filling out my tank and paying maybe $15 to fill up the same type of car. I've always had like a Honda. So like, you know, so if someone tells me that like in these bigger cities like LA, et cetera, that, you know, real estate prices to some extent will continue to increase. I do think that they are like, but I do think at the same time, you know, people need to be conservative in terms of the way they're approaching it and not just take it for granted. 
So that's a long answer to your question of, you know, the decision to take another job was grounded in the fact that I needed to learn that syndication is a business that takes time to build. And, you know, I needed to find other streams of income to continue to sustain myself while I continue to build a business because I do believe in this business. Wow. That's great. And it's actually, if people didn't catch the gems in that, like you weren't really listening. So she's basically saying, yes, you can have a plan if you want to start your own business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, whether it's doing funds or whatever business you want to start to create more capital so that you can invest or you can help other people invest like Lisa is doing, then make sure you have the plan and make sure you know that it's a longer term play to really get it up and running and make it sustainable where that business can actually pay for your expenses and for your lifestyle. So if you need to hold on to that job a little bit longer, then do that so that you have the funds to still live and, you know, feed into your business, right? Or also take a job that has more meaning into what you want to learn and the skill set that you want to learn and be strategic about that. So maybe switch a job that is going to teach you the skills that you need to be able to do the business that you want to do. And then what you do with that business income is either like taking it and investing it and growing it, feeding it back into the business, and then learning how to do the whole building wealth for your family by being strategic about how you use your W-2 and how you start on the entrepreneurial journey. 100%. Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You need the Launchpad. It's brought to you by my company, Norvest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. Okay. So we are actually about to wrap up and I just have a couple of questions for you that I ask every guest. The first one is Warren Buffett says that diversification actually, and it's funny because you did mention that. Yeah. Diversification is a protection against ignorance. That's very controversial, right? So it's like, do you diversify or do you not diversify? So I think I have an idea, but what is your thoughts about that statement? Yeah, you know, I respect Warren Buffett. I think he is an amazing investor. However, I don't think that everyone is doing the level of work that Warren Buffett is doing when they are investing for a variety of reasons. And because of that, I still believe in diversification. I believe in intelligent diversification. So not just spray and pray, but more just saying, okay, well, looking at the different opportunities that are available to you and sort of making sure that you do your due diligence before deploying capital. But I strongly believe in 
I believe in diversification. So yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I like that. It's definitely makes you just feel safer that you're not going to drop all the eggs in the basket, right? That's right. <laughs> that you have a little bit of cushion there. That's right. Okay. Next one. You've played Monopoly before? Yes. Okay. Boardwalk or Baltic Avenue, that's the most expensive property or the cheapest. What's your strategy to win and why? <laughs> oh, goodness. As I said, yes, I thought to myself, hold on, have I played Monopoly or have I played um, the cash flow game? And I think it's the cash flow game because I don't, those two don't really remind me of themselves. But you know, if I'm just thinking about that question in real life, I think I'd want to know a little bit more information about the cheaper property to like understand whether it cash flows or have the ability to appreciate in value. Because I feel that like starting with a more economical property could actually help you as an investor, because like you can build your portfolio with time and like they build on top of each other, giving you the ability to refi, even though with rising interest rates, that strategy isn't as popular at the moment, but nonetheless, like something like that is what I would say. Yeah, actually, I do like that because not every property is going to cash flow and appreciate, right? right. So a lot of times just putting a blanket statement out there, a lot of cash flowing or cheaper properties are the ones that cash flow because rent in those areas mm-hmm. still still tends to be high, right? right? And then the more expensive properties like a boardwalk are going to more likely be in the areas that appreciate over time more. Right. So you won't get that cash flow, but you'll get the equity buildup. And it's kind of like, which game are you playing? You know, you just have sure. to figure out what you're, you're, where you're starting with, what resources you're starting with and that's where you're right. actually trying to go and what that journey looks like. So that's what this is all about. Just helping people figure that out. Right. Yeah, so yeah. figuring out what your investing strategy is going to be and start implementing it. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much, Lisa. Firstly, I want to ask Ashley, how can people reach out to you if they're interested in the fund work that you're doing? Like if they want to be an investor passively in a fund or if they want to learn more about how to run a fund, because I know you have information on that as well. How can people reach out to you? Yes. Great question. So the best place that people can go is a one-stop shop. It's lisahilton.com. So lisahilton.com, you can find my podcast, you can find my blog articles on real estate investing. And then at the bottom of that website, you know, down in like, quote unquote, the footnotes, you'll also see the fund manager accelerator. So for people who are thinking about starting their own fund, or are curious about how funds could work for them, not just for real estate, but like you could create funds for everything from crypto to investing in single family homes to investing in whatever you want, venture, whatever. So being able to do that, there is, you can go all the way down to the bottom for, to get access either to my bootcamp if you make, like, depending on the timing of when the show releases, or to my crash course, which is the bootcamp that then turns into a crash course and goes evergreen. So those are the two options. And then on my website, of course, you can sign up to learn more about investing with me as well as investing in my fund that I currently have, which is for accredited investors to learn more about what some of the offerings are and how it works. Happy to talk to any investors who are interested in learning more. Perfect. Perfect. Actually, really super quick. Tell people what is an accredited investor so they know if they're accredited or not. That's right. 
Yeah. So the definition for an accredited investor is someone who the income level, you either meet the income level or you meet the net worth level. So the net worth is $1 million excluding your home. So that could be like your 401k retirement accounts, or, you know, your portfolio of stocks, that kind of stuff, or rental properties as well. Everything that you own real estate wise, except the home that you live in. And then the other way you can qualify is via income. So you either earn $200,000 a year for the past two years, and you're on track to do so in the current year as a single person. And then as a married person, it's 300,000 for the past two years. And then you're on track to do so in the current year as well. Perfect. So you either make 200,000 300,000 if you're married, or you have a million dollars net worth, not including your primary residence. That's correct. If you meet those criteria and you're interested in investing, reach out to Lisa. If you do not meet that criteria and you're interested in starting a fund that you can help people invest, they don't have to be accredited to invest depending on what type of fund you want to start. There's all that type of information. If you're interested at all in how that works, what that looks like, go to her website as well. The links will be in the show notes. And thank you all for listening with us today. Listen to us banter and chat. And thank you, Lisa, for coming on. I really appreciate it. You gave a lot of gems and information to the people today. And I, I hope people reach out to you. Like, get started. Let's start implementing this information. Get in this fund. Start investing. Yep. Let's build our wealth. Awesome. All right. I'll see you next time. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologist recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin from makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost water gel facial moisturizer. BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd. Only at BJ's.